Blog Talk Radio. I have an emergency. What is your location? Yes, and indeed there is. Welcome to Rescue Radio. I'm Margie. And I'm Jerry, and we are here tonight on a, discussing yeah. the subject of answering the hard questions. Yes, in a difficult time. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for eyes to see and ears to hear and a heart to receive your instruction, your revelation. Lord God, that you'd remove from us the um, the blinders, the predispositions, the mindsets, the uh, even the things we're not aware of that the enemy has done to us to make us indifferent, apathetic, afraid in these days, to compromise, to be uh, confused, to be doubtful, not sure what to do or say in these very difficult days and uh, days where we must give an account. We're still called to be witnesses, to occupy until you come. And Lord, we know that the days are probably going to get more uh, difficult, that the persecution is going to increase. And that we do not look forward to, but we do ask for wisdom tonight and counsel and that you'd encourage us, encourage our hearts to hear what your word has to say and to take an example, our example from you in how you um, handled those who opposed you, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, there are a lot of hard questions that uh, the Church of Jesus Christ is uh, being asked either explicitly or implicitly. Mm-hmm. Uh, in our day, and uh, where do we begin here tonight? Well, we begin with, you know, I think a couple of things that were, you know, have been coming through the Internet, through the, the, the news media, whatever channels of news and information, Facebook, whatever you listen to, how that some of our main, um, what we believe to be main represent, representatives of the Christian faith, whether they're musicians or uh, pastors, preachers, TV evangelists, celebrities of some sort in the Christian world, um, have come out making some pretty devastating statements or endorse, endorsements um, on various social and political issues. And um, it's it's discouraging, it's shocking, it's not shocking, it's all kinds of things. Um, but I think tonight what we really want to do is not, you know, address a specific issue, uh, whether that issue be, you know, the, the most current hot topics, hot buttons are, gay marriage or homosexuality or, you know, some of those things that are beginning to move more into the social, socially acceptable limelight uh, as opposed to some things that are still pretty forbidden like uh, pedophilia and stuff like that. So let's not get too hung up on those particular issues, but just how would Jesus have responded? What did he do when he was confronted with these kinds of things or other things where he was often set up um, to answer hard questions? Mm-hmm. Well, we uh, I know that um, in thinking about the Old Testament prophets, mm-hmm. you know, Isaiah, Jeremiah, for example, they dealt head on with the issues. They were very specific about the issues among the people of God. Mm-hmm. They weren't really saying so much. Yes, they had prophecies concerning pagan nations, right. but they had very specific Statements and instructions and corrections and rebukes Mm -hmm. 
four very specific sins, and it was basically across the board. I mean, all the way from down the, the leadership, the, the kings, the princes, right. uh, they said, you know, those are leading you, are causing you to error. Right. They really they're, had they're a lot of indictments the wrong the direction. So there was yeah. an indictment uh, all the way from the political leaders to the spiritual leaders, and that, in that case, mm-hmm. these, the, the priesthood and prophets. Because the prophets, the prophets, uh, some people call them happy prophets. They were just saying, "Oh, everything's just fine. Mm -hmm. You don't have to worry about anything." And then, and it goes right down just the rank and file among the people uh, of addressing specific sins, specific specific issues, and calling for repentance among the people. Repentance needs to change your mind. Well, in the Church of Jesus Christ today, I believe that's what's exactly happening. The Lord is bringing. uh, the correction uh, and judgment or uh, chastening to the church or those who are claiming or declaring to be followers of Jesus Christ. And so where he didn't, and in the Old Testament and in the New Testament, God makes an, a statement regarding some of these practices like human sacrifice or sacrificing of children, homosexuality, Sodom and Gomorrah, examples of some of these things. But he did not, uh, you know, his main focus was on correcting his own people. And I believe that we're not here to, um, the sinners are going to sin. That's just what they're going to do until they get the revelation of Jesus Christ. Right. And, you know, it's very important in all of this, because I know a lot of people really are being a pigeonholed, buttonholed by, um, you know, put on the spot with questions like if you, you know, basically, uh, do you endorse, do you agree with, you know, coming out of the closet, uh, you know, what are your statements and being forced to, speak i think before they even know how to answer the question mm-hmm. um because they're being they're using words like love tolerance not judging people to put the pressure on christians to show that they love someone by actually um embracing or endorsing behavior that is uh, inappropriate according to scripture now but here's the problem if you uh they come up like if you don't endorse me if you don't uh, go along with my agenda and the social political agenda in those days is, you know, it's, it's all wickedness basically and going that way. If you don't endorse me, then how can you say you're a Christian? You know, how can you say that? You, if, you can't judge me. You're supposed to love me. You're not supposed to judge me. And with those two words, you're supposed to love everybody and not judge anybody. It's, it's putting a, a real constriction upon us to do anything, say anything uh, that, would uh, call attention to or correct behavior because they're lumping in the person with their behavior. And this is the problem. You know, they're, 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 they're seeing beha- behavior and being as the same thing. Uh, very commonsensically, I don't know if that's the word, but I can love my children and not approve of or endorse all their behavior. My teenagers, when they were teenagers, we are teenagers, they didn't come up to us and, and threaten us uh, because they wanted to do something that was very detrimental or dangerous or, uh, you know, unscriptural and say, and if you don't let me do it, you don't love me. I mean, that's, that would, you know, we love them. You can love someone. And I think the problem with most of us is we don't separate separate out being from behavior. Well, sometimes, you know, children, they they will receive warnings as, well, you don't care about me. You don't let me have my freedom. Yeah. Uh, all that kind of th- stuff. So, uh but the warning needs to be there. You know, son, if you're going to drive that car 85 miles an hour mm-hmm. in a 55 mile an hour 
there are consequences. There can be consequences. And dangerous. You know, you may get by with that for a little while, but sooner or later, you're going to you're pushing the envelope, and and you're going to be in trouble. No one would uh, fault a parent for training their children or teaching them responsibility or teaching them proper and appropriate behavior, good choices like mm-hmm. that. But we're, we're bullying each other in society, saying things like, um, you know, you have to love me or you're not a good Christian. It's like if somebody's standing on my foot and saying or grabbing me around the throat and saying, you're going to love me because you're going to accept my behavior. Um, is that really voluntarily loving them if I'm being threatened or coerced or bullied into a gr- going along with somebody because I can love you. Here's how my answers. Jesus, by the way, never answered a, que- answer, answer, answered a question with an answer. He always answered it with another question or with a parable or with a demonstration of a miracle or something, you know, mm-hmm. to just to set the record straight. Because, number one, do they really want answer? That's the first question you might think. Well, ask yourself, no, they're coming, confronting, the situation is in front of me, it's in my face. Do they really want an answer? If they want my opinion, what is my opinion? Yeah, my opinion is just nothing if it's not based on the Word of God. Right, right. We're not here you know, to give somebody opinion. We're here to give somebody our opinion. No. Opinions really don't matter one way or another. They're preferences we, sometimes. We can, we can mm-hmm. understand that this is a preference, this is opinion, not necessarily truth. But with so many people these days, that opinion, they consider their opinions to be sacred. Right. That yeah. opinion is considered to be truth because that's my truth. Mm-hmm. That's the way I think about it. That's the way I feel about it. Mm-hmm. That's the way I'm going to do it. And I want you to feel that don't way, too. Don't confuse me with the truth. Yeah. And, and just, if you don't agree with me, mm-hmm. woe unto you. Well, every it's kind of like you don't dare to be different because I want everybody to be like me to like. So I'm liked and I'm, I fit in and I'm accepted. So... What Jesus is asking us to do is stand. You're the light of the world. We're the salt of the earth. We're not here to go along with everything. It's not about us embracing or endorsing bad behavior, and that makes it okay. Uh, you know, God isn't isn't going to take you know our threats. He's not going to respond to our threats and say you've got to love me because you made me this way or because um, I can't help myself. Even because God has made every provision for us to be saved. And delivered. Right. Well, uh, most people that are living in a, according to uh, practices that the you know in practices that the Bible clearly condemns are looking for someone to Love endorse them. that mm-hmm. endorse that behavior mm-hmm. and and for someone to not to uh, reprove that. Now we or judge it or judge it. So don't judge me. But you know, uh, Paul told the church at Ephesus. Uh, he told them to. Uh, expose the work that reprove the works of darkness. Mm-hmm. Now, the problem that we can get into is that you can go on the internet and find site after site, page after page of people uh, reproving works of darkness. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. So, so you know, and and and, and that's good, and because some people are just going along with it. Oh, that's okay. But then there are some that have the guts to rise up and say no. This is wrong. Here's what the Bible says about this. And, you know, you can do what you want to, but here, here's what the Word of God says on that. And, and that, that is something that needs to be done. Yet at the same time, uh, like you said earlier, Marjorie, sinners are going to sin until 
you know, the conviction of sin comes by the Holy Spirit, mm-hmm. and they come to realize that the reality of Jesus Christ and the the forgiveness and the deliverance that he yeah, offers mm-hmm. coming to repentance, which is coming into agreement with God. And his truth. Coming from, and his love for them. It, right. Yeah, because, you know, the thing is... Um, I can love you. Here's the answer to the question. I can love you without loving your behavior. God does it all the time. You know, uh, we are separate. We have a separate being from our behavior. But if believers are lumping the two together, then we see people as being what they're doing. Like I am, you know, I'm, you know, I'm doing this, therefore I am this. Mm-hmm. Uh, rather than putting in, into that equation the possibility that they've been deceived, that they've been bound, that they're addicted you know, even in something so simple and common as an addiction, for example, um, you know, people go around trying to quit the addiction, whatever it is, you know, and they're, at some stage they maybe are accepting or looking for people to party with them and accept them and go along with them. Uh, but it, as they move along in that continuum, they're eventually going to come to the place where they don't want it. They want to quit it. They don't, then, and they don't want to be that anymore. Or they, but they really need to understand they were never that in the first place. They, they were doing something that wasn't them. And so, for example, to get rid of an addiction, you don't need to try harder to quit using. What you really need to do is get the revelation of who you really are. And you were not built that way in the first place. Mm-hmm. You weren't built to have to uh, be a chimney you know, and smoke a, a pack, of, a, a six pack, or not six pack. How many packs? How many? Yeah. Every day. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what I'm talking about. Do I really? Yeah. Well, yes, you do. Yeah. Okay. But uh, what about you know that there's there's a uh, there's a rationalization for behavior. Many rationalizations for our behavior. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, all the way from you know I just in a bad mood today. Mm-hmm. Um. I, uh, my mom's mad at me or, uh, just maybe, uh, you know, I was born this way. Say I, mm-hmm. I, I, I'm, I'm, I have You're a short fuse. Your... I have a short yeah. fuse because I'm Irish, mm-hmm. you know, or, uh, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm a, homosexual yeah. because this is the way God made me to be. How do we Mm-hmm. address those kinds of Well, I don't of believe that God would ever contradict himself in his own word. He says he honors his word above his name. His word will remain um, when all else, you know, every everything else fails and falls apart. But see, so and when God created us, Adam and Eve, in the beginning, male and female, he, he really makes that clear. Adam and Eve, male and female, he created them, you know. So uh, when we're saying God made me this way, it's it's like you're saying I'm Irish, therefore I can fight. I'm I'm, uh, you know, in a bad mood, therefore I can get by with being obnoxious or something. Mm-hmm. Um, we're trying to excuse bad behavior with putting it back on who I am. I am born this way. I am, um, you know, I'm Irish. I'm human. I'm whatever. And that's, that's not what the Bible says. The Bible does not give us excuses to misbehave or break God's commandments. And the Bible does not expect us to just... Uh, all jump together and, and, and love each other in this kind of a, what, what the push is politically, socially right now is for a real, everybody's doing the same thing, saying the same thing, no differences, we're all the same, we're all this one big herd of... Going down to the lowest common denominator. Yeah, we see that in education and... Right, well, 
but, but go, let's go for a minute, uh, though, Mom. back to the Word of God and see how Jesus actually handled some of this stuff. Um, I want to start with Matthew chapter 12 um, to realize that a lot of this, kind of turning the corner here a little bit, a lot of this is really just mainly distractions. Jesus lived in the same, you know, in a, in a time when there was political unrest, there were high taxes, there was injustices, there were people being crucified, people being murdered and martyred and, and you know, for unjust reasons, there was religion all over the place. There was all kinds of the social perversions. We have women with more than one husband. They see the woman at the well. Mm-hmm. We see unjust judges. We see the Tower of Siloam falling on 18 people, and he's saying they don't think that they were worse than you guys. I mean, you got everyday news over there. Everyday news and, and, yet and he the said, Old and New Testament. Yeah. So looking in, in Matthew chapter 12, we just see how the enemy has tried to through the Pharisees, the, the scribes, um, to set Jesus up constantly to try to expose him, to accuse him. In verse 10 of Matthew 12, it says, uh, and that they had set him up basically in verse 9. They entered, uh, that then when he departed from there, he went into the synagogue. So he's in a, a religious, very intensely religious uh, environment. And behold, there was a man who was, had a withered hand. And they asked him saying, is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath? that they might accuse him, that they might accuse him. That, that was their only agenda. Their agenda wasn't to see a miracle or see what Jesus would do or even, you know, um, they just wanted to have something, set it up on a particular day in a particular uh, place where they had a lot of authority to accuse Jesus. That they, and verse, we go on to verse 14. Um, there, then he says, uh, he said to them in verse 11, what man is there among you who has one sheep, and if it falls into the pit on the Sabbath, will not lay hold of it and lift it out? How much more value than it is for is a man than a sheep? Therefore, it is lawful to do good on the Sabbath. This was one of their big social religious questions of the day. Now, we don't really worry much about the Sabbath. We kind of like just ignore it. We, you know, there are a lot of commandments regarding the Sabbath, uh, or the, the day of rest, let's put it that way. And I don't see many people paying much of any attention to it at all. But that's nothing shocking because they don't do that with any of the commandments, really. Well, some don't. I shouldn't say everyone. I'm just observing. I'm not judging. There is, by the way, a difference between discerning and judging. Then he said to them, stretch out your hand. And he stretched it out and was restored as whole as the other. Then the Pharisees went out and took counsel against him how they might destroy him. But when Jesus knew it, he withdrew from there. And great multitudes followed him, and he healed them all. Then he warned them not to make him known that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by Isaiah the prophet, saying, Behold my servant. Now this is Jesus Christ, the Son of God, the Creator, coming into the the human condition situations that he uh, directly was going to intervene in. And he said, and, and God is saying of his Son, My servant whom I have chosen, behold, in whom my soul is well pleased, I will put my spirit upon him. And he will declare justice to the Gentiles. He will not quarrel nor cry out, nor will anyone hear his voice in the street. He's not going to, you know, wear a placard and go picketing and get on a bandwagon and, and you know, make a, a scene on the corner. Um, a bruised reed he will not break, a smoking flax he will not quench till he sends forth justice and victory and his name, um, and in, the, in his name the Gentiles will trust. So, so notice the, 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 the kind of the, the progression of things here. He, he, withdrew himself, counseled to try to destroy him. They're setting up. There's many people out there who maybe are standing, taking a stand for righteousness or uh, against certain behaviors, let's put it that way, and they are becoming targeted. 
But Jesus knew that if he was targeted too soon, his work would be cut short. And so he withdrew from there. He, it wasn't time. You pick your battles. It may be time to avoid them. There's a time for everything. You know, maybe you're living or working with a lot of um, uh, people in that, you know, homosexual community, or maybe you, uh, I don't know what, how you'd be, you know, working with them, in contact with them, blah, blah, blah. You may not, not be the time or a need for, for the kingdom of God for you to address, assault, uh, offend any of these people. What we really want to do is practice realizing that they have a soul and we are to love and pray for them. So that was his first thing. He didn't, the first, there were times when he would confront, but this was not one of them. He knew what time it well, was. Well, Jesus knew how to pick his battles. And a lot of times he, he, I think you mentioned this earlier, that he, when he was challenged with these questions, he would ask another question. Yes. And he was so wise. Well, that's exactly what he did in Matthew in, 12. In the Holy Spirit, that it, he is just, it, is it okay to he, do good told, on he told a story and he, he showed them there. He brought out this the spirit of the law. He didn't get into uh, all the uh, a long belabored discussion on the various old covenant Sabbath regulations and right, so forth. Right, right, he right. He got gets into a story and he said, "Here, you know, here, here really is the spirit of what the Sabbath is all about." Mm-hmm. And he said, "It's in another place." He said, "It's it's lawful to do good on the Sabbath day. And I think that's, yeah, well, that's what he says, verse 12. Mm-hmm, right. Therefore, it is lawful to do good on the Sabbath. It's not yeah. just a matter of that, just sit around and doing nothing, but doing good. You're resting. You can get up and do good on the you, Sabbath. You're doing, you're doing good. And, and then so, he says that the Sabbath was not made for man, but man for the Sabbath. That means, in other words, it was given to us as a gift, a time of rest and rebuilding. But and, what, what we were saying here earlier Marjorie, is that we can get so distracted mm-hmm. and get into a whole bunch of other issues, battles and debates mm-hmm. and issues. No, there's a time, as we've said, to address these things straightforward. Mm-hmm. But and and uh, and some uh, believers I know have a particular calling well, uh, by God to say address the issue of abortion, right. to to uh, provide. Education right. and help for uh, women who are considering mm-hmm. abortion and so forth. So there's a very there's a strong call there. Um, there are people that are called to address the issue of homosexuality there with are people, people and ministries. Into the legislature. So so yeah, legislature. We just and today uh, we're speaking here today. It's election day. I hope you voted. If you haven't, you still got a little time to do it. Mm-hmm. Uh, research and vote and but. Uh, uh, so, well, the thing is, we can go. So we're not, we're not uh, sidetracked. Yes, we don't want to be sidetracked. If God is calling you into that arena, do that. Now you say, well, was Jesus a coward? Did Jesus was he afraid? No, he wasn't afraid. He just knew what time it was. Uh, in Luke, we'll go to, to Luke chapter um, five, where he also there, there's another confrontation situation. He's and and you know Jesus is is actually demonstrating his authority to speak. Uh, for God, by the very fact that He's doing the works of God, works that no one else had ever been able to do. Well, like yeah, because like He He answered His question there on the uh, the man with the withered hand on the Sabbath right. day. He answered the question that they asked with a miracle, right? Of exactly, healing. and that and you know I think that would be much more powerful than trying <laughs> to get into a debate and to talk somebody into something. If I've always said this, if you can if you can talk somebody into something. 
somebody else can talk them out of it. Yeah, exactly. So don't waste your words talking. Live before them. Demonstrate through love and the power of the Holy Spirit as the Lord would lead you. And in, in Luke chapter 5, verse 20, uh, let's see. Well, we'll just start out with the story. You know, the fi- the friends were bringing the paralytic to um, to be healed or prayed for by Jesus, and they had to take him in through the roof. He was paralyzed. Um, they thought they couldn't bring him in, so they had to tear up the roof. They had great faith to do that. Um, so when he saw their faith in verse 20, he said to them, Man, your sins are forgiven you. In one of the other versions, it says, Son, your sins are forgiven you. And the scribes and the Pharisees began to reason, saying, Who is this who speaks blasphemies? Who can forgive sins but God alone? So here was the issue. There's another hard question. Well, you know, and they were they were very sure that Jesus was being blasphemous in that he was forgiving this man his sins. And that was the issue right there. It wasn't the issue of Sabbath right there. It was an issue of, of forgiving sins. And then Jesus, but when Jesus perceived their thoughts, so he was not unrealistic. He was very perceptive, very discerning. He knew exactly what they were thinking. So he didn't even have to wait for them to say it. He already knew what, was, what they were saying. And he answered them and said, in here, Answering a question, why are question. you reasoning in your hearts? First of all, that's kind of shocking that he could basically read their mind. And I think that's where we as believers need to get to the place where, not that we can read people's minds, but that the Holy Spirit is able to give us discernment so that we know how words to begin wisdom, the conversation. Yes. And then he says, which is easier to say, your sins are forgiven you, or to say, rise up and walk? But that you may know that the Son of Man has power on earth to forgive sins. In other words, to endorse that, to prove that to you, he said to the man who had the withered hand, I say to you, rise, take up your bed, and go your way. Go to your house. Walk. So he's saying, to prove that I can forgive his sins, I'll do what, which is harder, actually. I'll heal him. And healing... Anybody can say... You know, they they could say, I forgive you. And it's like, and well, have how, no authority how, how to say you, it. How, have no authority to say it. And how do you know, you know, are they forgiven? Really? But Jesus but, used his authority to prove it through lifting the man up. Um, immediately he rose up before them, took up what had what he'd been laying on, and departed. And they were amazed. So some of them are glorifying God at this confrontation. And these are confrontations. You know, Jesus had some amazing confrontations. One of them is in Matthew 23, that whole chapter about you brood of vipers and white-walled sepulchers, and, and then in John 8 about your sons of the devil. You know, you are, you are of your father, the devil. Or Jesus just hit, hit these things head but on. he didn't always no, do it that way. No, he didn't always that way. The, the point came, again, it's, what, it's a matter of what time is it. Mm-hmm. To Ecclesiastes chapter 3, verse 1, to everything there's a season and a time to every purpose unto heaven. Mm-hmm. So, uh, Jesus, well, that, that's how partly how he well, fulfilled he was the will of the for, He was criticized for everything he did. Uh, he said, John the Baptist came neither eating or drinking, and you say he has a demon. I come eating and drinking, and you say I'm a wine-bibber and a glutton. So whichever way it was presented, they found something wrong picky, with it. Picky, picky, picky. And, um, yeah, and so, you know, he always was like, for example, when he was called to the Simon's house, or I think it was Simon, to eat with the, the sinners, uh, he said, those who are well do not need a physician, but those who are sick. I did not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. So there's always this pull, this conflict going on. And Jesus knew. He knew. Like, I think some of us know that this is going to come to a head at some point where we will not be tolerated. Um, our time of preaching the gospel freely with words or without words, with tears or without tears 
is maybe um, drawing to a close. But Jesus used his time to speak love to the people. Um, so he he goes on to say, um, there was another time in Matthew 22, 15 and 18, where he says uh, the Pharisees went and they tried to entangle him in his talk. There's oh, another wow. place, I think it's in Luke, where it says they vehemently cross-examined him. I mean, they're getting, as he's getting closer to the cross, they're getting more and more um, aggressive and um, out of control. By the way, if you have a question or want to comment or, or share with us your thoughts on this, uh, we have a number for you. And that number is 347-215-8051. Again, 347-215-8051. If you have a question or comment, We have uh, nothing to be ashamed of. It says, Paul says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. I think that's what the devil's trying to do is intimidate us by getting us distracted on these little issues that are not issues and that we don't love them. I can. This is what you need to remember. I can still love you without endorsing your behavior. I do love you. I love you because you have a soul. I love you because God loves you, because Jesus Christ died for you. I love you. I don't have to endorse your behavior to love you. That isn't, that's an error on your that's erroneous and, and thinking. How, okay. And uh, we're, tr- we're pulled into that so easily. I mean, we just, you know, and okay, so I'm going to show the, 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 the heathens or the pagans or whatever that I love them by, um, you know, um, you know, washing, scrubbing out their temple or something. I'm going to do some act of kindness. What did Jesus say to do? Preach the gospel. What did he say? Give the message of the kingdom of the gospel. Preach the gospel. Heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, raise the dead, cast out demons. Freely receive, freely given. Mm-hmm. Pretty simple, pretty straightforward. Not that you have to go and kiss everybody's you know, feet to make them think that they're loved. Yes, we can wash their feet from time to time. That is a humbling thing that needs to be done. But um, again, don't be distracted. So uh, in, in Matthew 20, go ahead. You were going to say something. Well, I was going to say, you know, distract. Another way of saying it is just don't be entangled with all these uh, mm-hmm. debates and so forth. Um, Paul, you know, when he went to Mars Hill, he uh-huh. he, he debated with the uh, philosophers. And it, it seems like, you know, there's a there's a time for that, but... Uh, when he was there, it's just like you know these guys were just sitting around, kind of like they were kind of like the uh, you know the intelligentsia where they just sat around and played chess uh, all day Nothing long. else. <laughs> they just they just sat, um, told their stories, you know, debated, told their stories. They, they had nothing else to do, sit and uh, nothing else but either to tell or to hear some new thing. So it was kind of like the. Uh, you know, down at the coffee shop, or you know, where the where the the, the gossip, gossip goes on, yeah, and so forth. So they were interested in, you know, they were open minded, but you know, they were not um, really very favorable to to the truth that uh, Paul came to bring. But there were few uh, that did that did come. Some mm-hmm. mocked. They uh, some mocked. It says in Acts seventeen thirty two. Others said, "We will hear you again on this matter, the matter of of, of the greatness of the Creator God, um, and and the folly of a, a, idolatry." Uh, so Paul departed from among them, you know. And however, some men, verse thirty-four of Acts seventeen, some men joined him and believed, yeah. and so forth. And then after, and Paul uh, right. left for left town for. Uh, well, uh, for Corinth at that time. So, 
Paul left his message. He didn't expect them to embrace or love him. He just planted a seed. But, you know, going back to what Jesus, you know, one of the, the big political issues of his day was taxes. I don't know if they had income tax or uh, capital gains tax. Is that a political issue of our day? Oh, yeah. But I got to read to you because it's really, this was a touchy subject. And actually this subject came up later. Uh, The enemy used the, uh, the the Pharisees and Sadducees used this as the final uh, leverage that they wanted to set him up as an enemy of the state. So that Rome would be willing to uh, execute him because the Jews actually could not crucify anyone. I think they could stone people, but they couldn't crucify them. And uh, But in, in uh, Matthew chapter 22, again, verse 15, uh, we talked about that. The Pharisees went out and plotted how they might entangle him in his talk. Mm. In Luke, I mean, I'm sorry, in Mark 12, it says, um, verse 13, he says, Then they sent to him some of the Pharisees and Herodians to catch him in his words. So they're basically setting him up. And it's interesting in verse 14 there, it says, um, that when they came to him, they said to him, Teacher, we know that you are true and care about no one, for you do not regard the person of men, but teach the way of God in truth. Is it lawful to pay taxes to Caesar or not? They were absolutely lying. They were flattering him. They were setting out, calling him a teacher, that he was no respecter of persons. You know, he, was, he knew the way of God and he was going to share the way of God. So they were flattering him to see if they could get him to answer the question. Um, then he said, uh, but he, knowing their hypocrisy, their, their lying, their deception, mm-hmm. that he wasn't falling for their flattery like some of us would be, um, he said to them, why do you test me? I mean, he didn't, that was his first question. Why are you, it's not about the taxes, is it, people? It's about you testing me to try to get something mm-hmm. on me that you will, he knew, he was not ignorant of it. Bring me a denarius that I may see it. So they brought it to him, and they said, and, and he said to them, another question, whose image and inscription is this? This is complete wisdom. This is absolutely the kind of wisdom and conversation we, we need, need to, have to have with people. Absolutely. And so you can ask the Lord specifically for that kind of very, uh, the, the words of knowledge, understanding. It's not about, Jesus said, why are you testing me? But he knew it wasn't about him. He knew it was about the message of the kingdom that was threatening them. So they brought him the, the image, and he says, whose image is it? And they said Caesar's. And then, so they actually answered their own question. Jesus said, very, you know, he didn't, he didn't say, you know, I know your taxes are really high. I know that this is really a wicked, corrupt government. I know that, you know, uh, there's a lot of um, corruption in, the, in this uh, whole thing. He didn't say that. He said, uh, then Jesus answered and said to them, Render to Caesar the things that are Caesar's, and to God the things that are God's. And they marveled at him. In other words, he wasn't, by saying that, he was not endorsing the Roman political system or their, or their levying of taxes. He was just saying, this is your world system, people. This is where you're living. This is where you will pay tribute. This is how it is. And even I remember when he was being baptized by John the Baptist, and John the Baptist said, backwards, I should be being baptized by you, Jesus said, permit it to be so for now. Permit this taxes, permit this injustice, permit this oppression for, for now. Because, you know, number one, God has a plan. Number two, the world is being run by the devil right now. Be aware of that. Don't get hooked up and hung up on those things that are going to not last forever. Don't get pulled into these kinds of debates and discussions. So 
even now, you know, people pay your taxes and vote. Do the things that God has given you as a privilege to do them as long as you have that privilege. Um, mm-hmm. You say, well, I don't think my vote counts and I don't, you know, they rig the ballots and everything else. Well, they probably do. They probably do all of that stuff. But that does not excuse you from doing the right thing. They're doing the wrong thing does not excuse you from doing the right thing. Uh, and in our day and age, there are more of these hard and challenging questions against uh, true Christians than ever before. Yeah. That is multiplying. The questions come, you know, they come through the media. They come through just conversations with people. There's more and more of a uh, challenge in looking for fault among Christians, and and they're among what the uh, world perceives of as uh, Christianity. There are plenty of faults, and there are plenty of errors. Right. That that basically mm-hmm. uh, they want to throw out the baby with the bathwater because the the bathwater that they've seen uh, of the church from uh, oh, yeah. in, in many cases really stinks. It's really dirty. Well, and then they've they've seen. They've seen the phoniness, the hypocrisy, the all this stuff, and and they they say, forget it. I don't want anything to do with that. Right. And so, so our it behooves us to to be so, by God's grace, so genuine and true. Right. That people will see that you know we are the light of the world. We are the salt of the earth. And not you know he says, let your light uh, light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father who is in heaven. Yeah. And so, uh, you know, so in these times, uh, we we need to be prepared for those kinds of challenging, these kinds of hard mm-hmm. questions, mm-hmm. challenging questions well, that, I... uh, that come to us. But the good news of this is um, what Jesus said in Matthew 10 and, and uh, verse uh, 16 through uh, 20, he says, Behold, I send you out as sheep in the midst of wolves. Therefore be wise as serpents and harmless as doves. But beware of men, for they will deliver you up to councils and scourge you in their synagogues, in the, in the religious places. Mm-hmm. And you will be brought before governors and kings for my sake, as a testimony to them and to the Gentiles. But when they deliver you up, do not worry about what you should speak, Mm -hmm. for it will be given you in that hour what you should speak. For it is not you who speak, but the Spirit of your Father who speaks in you. So uh, Mm -hmm. we're, we're, we're taught in the New Testament to know how we ought to answer every every person. Right. Uh, and give, be, be ready to give a reason of the hope that is within us. Right. So we need that kind of wisdom that we have available to us through the, through the Holy Spirit, uh, through the Holy Spirit, through the Word of God, that we'll be able to respond to these things as as Jesus did, with wisdom and, and well, I think not one of getting the into all these There are so many different Gospels out there that are purported to be the Gospel of Jesus Christ. And if it's not the correct, accurate Gospel of Jesus Christ, you'll get painted into a corner with these kinds of questions. For example, being and behavior. Um, They're not the same thing. I can love you for the being you are, 
and I can still not have to approve of your behavior. I can love you, and I don't have to like or love your behavior. But see, most of the Gospels that we hear mix the two together, and we are, you know, we have the, the, the depravity of man issues. We have, you know, we're, you know, the evolution issues, you know, like we come from monkeys, anything but made in the image of God. And we don't put the devil in the equation at all because it's all my fault, my responsibility. I should have known better. Um, we can admit maybe we got deceived, but we're not admitting there's a deceiver. And so, but Jesus says here in John chapter 5, he says in 39, he says, you search the scriptures for in them you think you have eternal life. And these are they which testify of me. In other words, you can read the word, you can study it, you can memorize it, and you can still not get the revelation of Jesus Christ that the scriptures are intending to give. But you are not willing to come to me that you may have life. I do not receive honor from men. Most of us are looking for honor from each other, liking, approving, accepting, endorsing, favoring, validating, um, you know, you know, congratulating people on behaviors that do not, um, they're not, they're, they're not testifying of God. We don't need the honor of men. What, what would that, what would have happened if Jeremiah or Isaiah or Noah would have had to have the honor and the appro- approval of men or Moses? We would just not really be here. Right. They, uh, they took the abuse of, of men and the criticism of men. And then he and, uh, says, the persecution of men. But he says, I know you, that you do not have the love of God in you. Well, a lot of people say the scriptures are not loving because they don't endorse and embrace everything. But Jesus Christ is saying, if you don't know the scriptures, you don't have the love of God. So that means that there is an understanding. God understands our plight. Like Paul says, oh, wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? If I am doing what I don't want to do, it's not me doing it. That's a nice succinct way of saying, you know what, there's something going on inside of me that's not me, that is doing stuff I'm not in agreement with, agreement with. And the scripture permits that. The true rendition of scripture permits that there are these entities or forces or demons or powers of darkness or whatever you want to call them that are working in and through the programs, the body of death that sets up in us these contrary uh, beliefs, behaviors, we, you know, first we believe a lie, then we act out of it. So you first believe the lie. I am stupid. I am uh, gay. I am depressed. I am no good. You believe that lie, and then out of that lie comes a set of behaviors that that validate or uh, endorse that that uh, statement. Because the enemy, you've just given him permission to build that situation in you. And there's some very, uh, you know, some people say, well. You know, I think it was all the old uh, Gnosticism, which really undermined the authority of Christ that that they dealt with in the early days of the church, Mm -hmm. that it didn't really matter what you did. Really? As long as you believed, it didn't really matter what you did, because your body was just kind of evil as long as your spirit, you were in faith, it didn't really matter what you did, but... Here's the deal, like Paul writes in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 9 through 11. So uh, behaviors are, are, very, are very serious. Uh, verse 9, do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived, neither fornicators, nor adulterers, idolaters, nor adulterers, nor homosexuals, nor sodomites, nor thieves, nor covetous, 
nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners shall inherit the kingdom of God. So that's that's right. And and those and kinds then, of and then it goes on to say good news here. And such were some of you, but you were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified by the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of our God. Okay, that's interesting. Such were some of you, and yet even some that were those things are still, after they're saved, continue to be tempted by or fall back into some of those very vile or disgusting or you know disturbing behaviors. Uh, it says in, I think, Revelations that no one that's fearful or a liar shall, you know, inherit, uh, be included right. in the kingdom of heaven. But what we really need to understand there is there's two different things going on there. In First uh, John, he is talking about, uh, well, we didn't refer to First John yet, but First John, he's talking about there, there are those who practice these things and there are those who practice righteousness. You, after you're saved, your desire is to practice righteousness and you hate those things that are Mm-hmm. Sinful and dis- and disgusting and in di- and out of uh, agreement with God and His holiness and His truth and the in- the innate um, goodness uh, of His character. We don't like those things. Yet we still may be hooked into because that is coming through. Um, well, that will be part of and is addressed by the Spirit of sanctification through the Holy Spirit as we go on to follow and obey Christ. These these tempters, their programs, their uh, behaviors. Their activities in us diminish, weaken, grow less and less, and that's called a process of deliverance or sanctification. So when people are saying, "Well, wait, whoa, 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 I just told a lie. I thought it was saved and saved for twenty years, and I just told a lie. I don't know, and I just go back to square one." No, that means that God is digging down deeper into us and showing us another layer of fear, another layer of, of lies. And what when you see yourself sinning after you're saved, first of all, you confess it. You repent. You say, God, what is the lie I'm believing that allows this activity to continue to go on in my life, this activity that I hate? Paul says, I am doing the things I hate. That's what he said. He didn't say, I've got to take responsibility and try harder and, and you, know, uh, you, know, you know, self-improve myself. He said, who will well, deliver me? me. Yeah. And that's just the, that's the gospel. So if I'm saying is, if you don't get the right gospel... You're going to always be beating up on yourself for the behaviors you can't seem to overcome. Trying harder, that trying is harder, not trying your, harder. That's not what Jesus says, I call you to be my witnesses. He didn't say, okay, when you get your act together and you're perfect, then you can go out there and maybe tell somebody about me, but be careful that your shoes are polished and that your hair is combed and that you're just a perfect person because I don't want any... Look at his guys. Did they ever polish their sandals? I don't think so. <laughs> you know, I don't think they probably comb their hair most of the time. Mm-hmm. Um, they probably didn't take showers or baths very often either, except maybe when they fell in the lake or something. And they turned the world upside down. Yeah. So we're called to be as witnesses. And speaking of that, that's very much staying on course in these days, people, in our last you know, opportunities to witness, to, to, to bring people to Jesus. Here's what Paul's mandate was when he got saved, when the first encounter he had with Jesus Christ in Acts chapter 26, where he's retelling the story Um, verse 14, and when we had all fallen to the ground, I heard a voice speaking to me saying in the Hebrew language, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? It is hard for you to kick against the goats. In other words, it's hard for you to resist my spirit. And people will find that it is hard for you to run away from God, especially if God has got you on his radar. 
So I said, who are you, Lord? What a dumb question. Who are you, Lord? He already knew who he was, Lord. And he said, I am Jesus whom you're persecuting. But rise and stand on your feet, for I have appeared to you for this purpose, to make you a minister and a witness both to the things which you have seen and of the things which I will yet reveal to you. At this point, Paul had not written any of the epistles, Mm -hmm. and so it was all yet to be revealed. I will deliver you from the Jewish people as well as from the Gentiles to whom I now send you. So where was he going? He was going a different direction. He wasn't going to go on the the, the field where Peter was working in in the Jewish kingdom. He was going to go towards the Gentiles. Here was what he was supposed to do, to open their eyes, to turn them from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to God. Now, why would Jesus say anything like that to them if, if there is no power of Satan, no kingdom of darkness, no battle going on? No um, need for turning around or changing or translating them into the kingdom of God's dear son. That they might receive what? Forgiveness of sins. Because when you're feeling judged and guilty and not forgiven, you're not going to do anything for God. You can't live like that. And an inheritance among those who are being sanctified by faith in me. So he had a big, big job description. He was a... But but see, that was what God had told him to do. He didn't say, go get involved and in, in, run for a political office. Now, I'm not saying some shouldn't. Bless God that some do and are called to do that. But here's what Paul was called to do. And when you're called to, you know, whether you're called to run a printing press or you're called to teach math or you're called to uh, drive a school bus, whatever you're called to do, that is where you are to let your light so shine before men. Yeah, and that's... The old saying, the main thing is to keep the main thing the main thing. Mm-hmm. And, and and that was it. And Jesus said, you know, go into all the world. And preach make the gospel. This, preach, yeah. preach the gospel. Teach all nations. Make disciples. This is the, the, the focus that we need to keep. Mm-hmm. And so and that in itself is, see, when when that is is proclaimed and, and, and there are signs and wonders following that, that will be an endorsement. There's an endorsement there. Jesus answered issues with questions, with right. with some explanation, and with miracles. Right, and that's what we want to do, too, greater works than exactly. we should do. Um, but one of the things that, you know, going back to Paul for a minute, Paul, um, he wanted to be right. He had the pedigree. He was a tribe of, of the tribe of Benjamin, a pedigreed, uh, uh, he was a Roman. He had the, the good blood for the Hebrew. You know, he was a rabbi, da-da-da. He had everything going on for him, and he wanted to be right. And he, these Christians were, he hated them at first because they were messing up what was right. And so a lot of us, I think, are like that. Even We can be legalistic Christians. We can be non-believers. We can be whatever, in whatever occupation or area, when we think we have to be right because we can't be wrong, because we, we just can't tolerate being wrong. So we have to be right. Even if we're wrong, we're right. That's not what God has called. He's not called us to be right. He's called us to be righteous. Mm-hmm. And our righteousness is only obtained through the righteousness of Jesus Christ. His righteousness is applied to my account. Yeah. And therefore, I, am, I become righteous. Uh, you know, a lot of times people can be right and rebellious. You can be right. You're going to be, but you're so vindictive. You're so obnoxious. You're so hard-hearted. You're so callous. You're so... It's up to me. I'm going to tell you. There's a lot of people who think they're right, and they're rebellious, totally rebellious against God. And part of their problem is they're deceived into thinking they're right. Really, it all begins when we actually humble ourselves and say, right. you know, God, have mercy on me. 
a lot of people approach us with questions. Uh, they're not, they're just kind of smokescreen questions. Right. You know, like they did with, well, as we talked, been talking about, that's what they did with Jesus. They were doing that to test him, mm-hmm. try to catch him at his words, try to make him uh, look bad, um, trying to undermine his uh, his identity right. and mm-hmm. his authority and all that. So, uh, well, so sometimes we have to realize now: is there is there really a sincere question someone's bringing to us right. here? And another thing, an honest question from their heart. Then we need to respond, yeah, with with good, honest, biblical answers. If they're testing us, if they're just it's just kind of a smokescreen, then mm-hmm. uh, we are well, at the place where uh, we need to, at that point, just recognize that, discern that, and and rely on the Holy Spirit for wisdom to give the kind of answer. Or well, kind of, I the think kind one of the things we need Jesus to do is brought. is look at their heart. The yeah. questions, you know, it says, out of the heart, the mouth speaks. And a lot of people, especially in these very touchy areas, there's a lot of anger, there's a lot of pride, there's a lot of defensiveness, there's a lot of hatred, actually. Mm-hmm. Um, and, 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 and I don't think those are genuine questions. I think those are the, you know, they, they want an excuse to e- express their anger. And a lot of that is because a lot of people who are coming out of these lifestyles uh, have been violated and they have been abused, and they have been offended. Mm-hmm. And so we do not want to add insult to injury by being harsh or critical. We really want to listen to their heart and recognize that this person, you know, may, maybe what, what is speaking to me is not even them. It may be a demonic spirit that's trying to cause oh, a yeah. strife or a riot. But, but the thing is, that person still has a soul. They have been wounded, and in Matthew chapter um, Fifteen, eighteen, or I mean, sorry, eighteen. He says, "How do you restore an offended brother?" Now, I'm not saying. Uh, I think the definition of brother here is not necessarily your biological brother in the word. It's not necessarily, um, uh, you know, anyone that you'd call a brother. It's someone who is of the same like faith as you. As that would be what the offended brother would be in Matthew. It says to go to them. Uh, well, and if you've done something to offend them, maybe you've done nothing to offend this person, but someone else has. And so the, the anger, you're just an easy target. You're a handy target right now. So when a person is angry, upset, hateful, question you need to ask is, okay, what is the injustice here? What is making them so mad? You know, um, brother, if I've offended you um, and I'm not aware of what it is, uh, tell me what it is. But usually it's nothing you have done. You just happen to be in the wrong place at the right time to get a blast. But they are mad. And the Bible says, here's how you offend it. You, you can offend them. Uh, how, how you can restore that um, is to first acknowledge if you've done something, there's something between you and him, go to him, tell him your fault, confess, humble yourself. Um, if he hears you, you've gained a brother. You know that no one, who is as hateful and angry and bitter and and upset as most of these people are, are are going to get saved in that condition. There's going to have to be someone who gets beyond that, down into the place of their heart, where this person can feel a connection, can feel love, can feel acceptance, can feel hope, can feel a, 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 that someone loves them for who they are and not for what they do and what they don't do. Because mm-hmm. I tell you what, a lot of these people are being politically manipulated for an agenda way different than their own. 
Yes. They're being ma- used and manipulated just just for the advantage of the, um, well, let's just say the ones who run the world, the, the, the kingdom of darkness. Mm-hmm. And so we have to be aware that these people also have to give an account to themselves of God. And we know, you know, a lot of times uh, we know what's right and wrong, even as little children. And how do we know that we know? Because we want to hide. If it's something naughty, we want to hide it. We don't want people to know about it. So we're ashamed. Our conscience is saying, you know, I mean, you just scribbled all over the wall and say you realize that that's going to get you in trouble. You're not going to take your mom by the hands and say, come, mom, look what I did. If you're still at that age before accountability where you don't know scribbling on the wall is not okay, you're going to think you did a masterpiece and you'll be probably showing it. But the minute you have to hide something, and usually the sexual sins are things that people are the most ashamed of and they want to hide uh, they're not out publishing it. They're in the closet. Mm-hmm. You know. By the way, what Jesus said to do in the closet was go in the closet, not come out of the closet. Go in the closet and pray. Yeah. Um, but anyway, so uh, but we're all you know this kind of we have a conscience. Things, um, you know, we we try to get by with things. We know. We know. Don't kid yourself. And, and be honest with yourself. That's you know where honesty has to begin is not with somebody else telling you what's right and wrong. You already have that witness in your conscience, in your own heart. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You don't, and then you don't need to get mad at somebody else for telling you what you already know. Many right. of us already know what we don't want to know, or we don't want anybody else to tell us, mm-hmm. and we just want to, you know, then turn it back on them and get defensive. Um, so I can love you without approving of your behavior. Um, I don't have to avoid the topic, but sometimes it's not time to speak on the topic. Mm-hmm. You know, it's time mm-hmm. to just. Be like you said, a light before them. Let your yeah. your uh, deeds so glorify. You know, let them see your good works, mm-hmm. and so glorify their Father in heaven. Um, and so, what time is it? Is it time to be silent, or is it time to speak? Um, and then, as you said earlier, that the Lord will give us in that um, hour what to speak. Um, yeah, it's it's the the Holy Spirit. So we are so dependent on the Holy Spirit to. Yeah. Give us those kinds yeah. of answers, and 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 mm-hmm. it's um, and so it, it and really lo- behooves lo- us to to really be in a place of really an intimacy with with the Lord. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, we're His sheep; we hear His voice, hearing His voice, uh, just being well attuned to the written Word of God. Uh, you know, it prepares us, kind of prepares the ground for us to be ready uh, whenever these unexpected or challenging questions come up in you know, different uh, settings, different situations. We will know what yeah. to say, and, what to do right. uh, by the Spirit of God. And so. our main mandate from the Lord is to love, and it is not to judge. We are not to judge now. It says the the word the word will judge you. Every by every idle word you'll be judged. The Lord God is the judge. I'm not here to judge a man by his behavior. Um, but Jesus says, uh, you know, a lot of times people would give him lip service. I, they, they'll they honor me. He says they honor me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. This is in Matthew 15. He says hypocrites. Now here he wasn't afraid to call a spade a spade and a hypocrite a hypocrite. He said. Um, uh, well did Isaiah prophesy about you, saying, These people draw near to me with their mouth. They honor me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. For in vain they worship me, teaching for doctrines the commandments of men. 
Now, we have to add in here assumption and ignorance. A lot of times people are doing things maybe ignorantly or, or in assumptions or they're not yet enlightened in something. And I'm not ready to judge them. Uh, I know people who worship God. They're on worship teams. They, they lead in these very sacred places in the church, worshiping God and leading. And yet they are practicing sin and abomination against God. I believe by the time you get to be a worship leader, you know enough about the Lord to know that if you give him vain lip service um, and your heart is far from him, you're practicing secrets. And that can be uh, fornication, affairs, adultery. That can be, uh, you know, um, being abusive at home. That can be uh, being a hypocrite, being unloving. Mm -hmm. When you say you love God and you don't practice that in your heart, you just it's lip service. It is worthless. It would be better for you to just go out and be a blatant sinner mm-hmm. than to um, be a liar. Right. Yeah. But so again, our job is to love people, and through that love, he that wins souls is wise. It takes a lot of wisdom and counsel sometimes. And again, they have a conscience. I don't need to be their Holy Spirit or their conscience. Um, the word stands for itself. You know. Yes. Sometimes I think it's very kind to show people a scripture. But at the same time, ask them, well, what is the lie? Mm-hmm. What is the lie that you're believing that's allowing you to believe, number one, that you are born this way or that it's okay for you to do this or that you, 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 you're still doing this after, you know, many, many times of being corrected? Um, the uh-huh. enemy is, is, is binding people. Mm-hmm. And, and how do we break through to people? Uh, that is that's a question. How do we get through uh, with with the, the love of Jesus. Now, First uh, John three eighteen says, "My little children, let us not love in word or in tongue, but in deed and in truth." And in First Corinthians thirteen, it says, "Love never fails." No, so it's it's a matter of yeah, we love in attitude, mm-hmm. in thought, in word, uh, in in action, and. Um, well, I think some people are just, you just caused me to think about something, you know, love in word and deed and action. A lot of people I know are in their own families. There are people who are um, coming out of the closet or, you know, and they're your children or they're your grandchildren or they're, you know, your friend's children. And you're invited to uh, a wedding or you're invited to a shower or you're invited to, to do something where you have to somehow endorse them. I think the the first thing you need to do, of course, is, Seek the Lord about what would Jesus do in my situation? What does he want me to do? And I, it's very important to make it very clear that you will not be coerced into loving them because you already do love them. You're not going to be coerced, threatened, or made to feel guilty for loving them because if you don't come to my this and if you don't show up for that, then you're, then, you know, you're disowning me and you're not loving me. And they'll throw that guilt trip back on you. Mm-hmm. But you're bigger than that. Um, that you can, but you have to make it clear. I'm coming because I do love you, not because I'm endorsing your behavior. You can read it the way you want, but this is what I'm telling you. Mm-hmm. I'm coming because you're my child. I believe that love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, and Jesus Christ will prevail in this terrible place mm-hmm. where the enemy has caught you caught right now. I believe that God will rescue you, that all my children will be taught by the Lord, and great will be the deliverance of them. I'm going to just believe that and then go forward and love them. Pass the love test. Whatever that is. And don't worry about, well, they're going to think I'm this and, and or other people are going to think that or I've got to do this. You do what the Lord, what love requires of you. 
You know, um, mm-hmm. Jesus ate with sinners. That didn't mean he was endorsing their sin right. or their their tax evasion or their their gossiping or their religious self righteousness. He went to eat with sinners because he wanted to get to, to show them love and to and to express that love, show it the kingdom of God had come to them, and it worked with Zacchaeus. It worked with the woman at the well. It worked with um, uh, the woman taken in adultery. You know, it even works with you know Matthew the tax collector. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It works. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, and you know, like with Jesus, you mentioned the woman at the well, and we mentioned her a couple of times in, in John chapter 4. You know, she was she tried to get Jesus into a religious debate. You know, where is the, where is the yeah. right place to worship? And Jesus said, well, he just addressed it for a little bit. He said, that's really not the issue. Yeah, he says, the there's, a, there's something new here. It's worshiping in spirit and in truth. And that's 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 what the Father is looking for, those who will worship him in spirit and truth. And talk to her about living water and, and communicate it to her that way. Uh there's another um you know, acts of love, whether it's you know, going to someone's funeral, uh getting them a bouquet, uh showing kindness, helping them fix their car. Uh, whatever it is, acts of love, it can be the most simple thing, can open up mm-hmm. a great opportunity for the gospel. And that is, those acts of love are actual demonstrations of the gospel. Mm-hmm. But but when people are maybe, their minds are all uh, mesmerized with so many Fables and lies. Fables and lies and, and hurts and things. Oh, unbelievable. Acts of love do get yeah. through mm-hmm. to people. And that's what we need. We need to be able to get through to people because our time is really short. And he says in Ephesians, he says, um, But do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption, that all bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, evil speaking be put away from you with all malice, and be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, just as God in Christ has forgiven you. Mm. God wants us to be followers of him, and he knows this world is vile, it is wicked, it is full of sinners. That does not give us um, the right to, you know, we're not here to uh, point out everybody's sin. That's already pretty well defined. What we're here to do is seek and save, as Jesus did, that which is lost, and to be kind and to have wisdom to know how to do that. That doesn't mean we're agreeing with the sin. That doesn't mean we're a coward. That means we're wise. Chief yeah. Paul says, I become all things to all men, that I might by all means win some. Does that mean he's a hypocrite every other day? Because he's, you know, to one he's a Jew, and to the other one he's, a, he's the Roman or the Gentile? No, it means he's wise. And this is exactly what the Lord is asking us he to do. He adapted an unchanging gospel. M- gospel. Mm-hmm to the various cultures. situations and cultures and people that he was uh, mm-hmm. talking about. For exactly, and, and we're going to wrap this up in a minute here, but we would just want to pray with you and encourage you to, um, to go into the Word and rest in God. If you're feeling yourself getting anxious or angry or uptight or defensive, that is not the Holy Spirit. Jesus was not defensive. He, he was very secure. And who he was. He didn't take anything personal. Personal. He wasn't pulled into any fights, even at his own uh, trial, which was a, a kangaroo court. He did not 
defend himself. He didn't take it personal. He knew what was going on. He was very secure, even though it was very painful. He knew that the father had planned this and he walked it out. And so um, no matter what it looks like, walk it out for the glory of God. And Jesus said, the word says, I will never test you or tempt you above that I'm able to keep you, but with every temptation I will make a way of escape that you're able to bear it. And so we just want to encourage each one tonight, Father God, to bear under the joyful uh, counsel of your Holy Spirit those things that you have given them, because you said my yoke is easy, my burden is light, and you said come unto me, all you that labor and heavy laden. And we pray for those tonight who are weeping and sad over their children, over their loved ones, over the lost, over those that they can't seem to get through to, Lord God, let them not grow weary in well-doing. Let them not lose heart, for in due season they will reap if they do not faint. And that you, Lord God, are the one who's watching. You are the one who's delivering. You're the one who knows. So we bring our cares to you again. And we, as the, um, the widow came to the unjust judge, and finally he gave in, even though he was unjust, because he did not want to be pestered by her anymore. And so, Lord God, your word stands. We bring your word before you, and we lift up each one of these lost, especially this generation right now that is so lost, the young ones, the 20-somethings, 30-somethings, that just have had no grounding, no instruction, really don't know anything about anything. Father, have mercy upon them. And I pray that you'd raise up intercessors for them, people who will pray and weep until this generation be brought home and be brought home safely, Father. In Jesus' name. And, Father, we ask that you just give every uh, listener, all of us, Lord, uh, wisdom to know what to do, Lord. We, In you, Jesus, uh, hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. And we thank you, Lord, for the Holy Spirit that get, will give us the words and the actions that we are to uh, perform uh, at his bidding, with his uh, anointing, uh, Lord, those things, those words, those actions that the Spirit of God can use to open the hearts of the people who need to know the reality of who you are, Lord Jesus Christ, that you will be their Savior, their Lord, uh, their best friend uh, in the days to come and for all eternity. And we ask this now in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I have an emergency. What is your location? 